0: The time clock has been punched, and it is time to start another three-hour show that we call the Y'all Show. Hello there, Thursday, Y'all Show, with the general of all things Southern John Raw. Good to have you aboard. Quickly, let me tell you what's on store, what's going on in y'all world here on this Thursday. Lots of sports news. What a gut-wrenching win on the road for the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday. We're going to tell you about the 48-point night that a certain player for the Hawks, a guy named Trey Young, had. And I'll tell you more about this Texas-born, Oklahoma-raised, OU-made basketball superstar of the NBA, and he just keeps getting better and better. Also, world news from the NASCAR world, as Jeff Gordon is going to be exiting the TV booth and going to be the second-highest official at Hendrick Motorsports. We'll have that information in our sports report here of today's y'all show. And more sports coming this hour. We've got our SEC report. We're going to hear from the victorious Vanderbilt Commodores. What a nail-biting win they had. They were down to their last strike against Stanford on Wednesday at the College World Series. And Tim Corbin's doors get it done. Vanderbilt survives. They will take on NC State on Friday. We'll have more on that. We also have audio from two other SEC coaches that have made their way to Omaha this week. One a winning coach, one a losing coach. We're going to hear from the victorious Chris Lamonis of Mississippi State as his Diamond Dogs. Uh, they're off this, this day. They have to play on Friday, and they're just one game away from advancing to play for the College World Series National Championship in the two three best-of-three series So MSU coach Lamonis, we'll hear from him. We'll also hear from Tony Vitello, coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, Tennessee went 0-2. They're already back on Rocky Top. But what a job that the UT skipper has done. And we'll hear him talk about the College World Series and his team getting there. And he's also going to discuss that nasty rumor about being the head coach at LSU. And there's, to my knowledge, still an opening there. So we'll have all that coming up in our SEC report. Plus, we'll hear some college football news in our SEC report. We'll hear from the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, this week sat down with the two sports czars of the Charleston Post and Courier newspaper. Not a bad deal. They got to sit down with the new head coach of the Gamecocks at Backstreet Grill on Divine Street in Columbia, and they recorded it all for the Charleston newspaper, And they've got video evidence of it, and I have a portion of that lengthy interview between the new Gamecock football coach Beamer and Gene Sapikoff and David Kleiniger of the Charleston Post and Courier. PostandCourier.com is the website if you want to go check out that in its entirety. But we'll have some Gamecock football news coming up here in this first hour. Plus, hashtag Hall of Blue, all coming up hour one. Hour two today, we've got some entertainment news we'll be passing along. How about Carly Pierce? We're going to be playing some audio of Carly being surprised by Dolly Parton. And you won't believe the question that Dolly Parton, or really more of a statement that Dolly makes to her former employee, Carly Pierce. That's in our entertainment news plus talking about and speaking of great singers or at least southern singers and some of you might say great is pushing it a little bit when we start talking about Britney Spears. We've got some news on the Spears family and we'll also play a song Britney Spears has sung in her career a hit song for her many years ago Hold It Against Me and we'll be playing a portion of that as we get you into our entertainment headlines The Louisiana native there in Tangipoa Parish, Brittany Spears, she's part of our entertainment headlines today, and we're going to keep the entertainment going in hour two. We're going to welcome in Dove-winning Contemporary Christian Act, We the Kingdom. They've also just done great jobs. They've been nominated for some Grammys, and they're going to be here in hour number two to talk about their music, their tour, and the fact that four of the five members are all related. We the Kingdom. Dove winning Contemporary Christian Group on with us in Hour 2, plus Kobe Bennett's got a Southern accent on Southern business coming your way, Hour 2. And then in Hour 3, we thought we'd do something that would warm the heart here on y'all. We've got a breakdown of the kindest states in America, and something tells me there's going to be a large number of states from right here in the South that are part of that breakdown that's coming up in hour three, plus we'll look at a bunch of festivals getting ready to take place over this coming weekend, and that is part of our Festive South, all that here on today's Y'all Show. Sounds like a very action-packed show, don't you think? Now, if you want to be involved with the Y'all Show, it is so easy to do. All you got to do is pick up that old telephone and text us at 803 803- 816-1170. If you know about a festival that you want to make sure we're aware of, that's how you do it. If you want to just kind of tell us how your day's going, that is certainly something you can pick up the phone and, and let us know. 803-816-1170. You can also drop us an email, and that email address here at the Y'all Show is mail, mail at y'all.com. And you also can find us in podcast form if you miss a portion of this show on great radio stations across the South. I will let you know that you can find us in podcast form at Apple Podcasts. We're also available in the Stitcher app, the iHeart Radio app, the TuneIn app, and there's one more out there somewhere that something tells me I can't figure it out right now. But, yeah, we're available for you. You just got to do a little bit of digging, but we're absolutely free. Y'all Show is what you search for on all those podcast options. I guess I should have said we're also at y'all.com. Did you realize that y'all.com is the South's homepage? And you can go to y'all.com and find the Y'all Show, and it is available for you to look and feel and just get to know what's going on across the Southeast. Y'all.com is the South's homepage. Get a chance, check it out. We're glad that you are checking us out here as we launch into this first hour of An Accent on All Things Southern. Let's get into the headlines. And there was some breaking, developing news coming out of South Florida today as a building has collapsed there in Miami. And at least one person has been reported killed thus far with this condo crashing in the Miami area town of Surfside, Florida, trapping residents when this thing came crashing. And residents trapped in rubble and twisted metal and debris scattered throughout this surfside Florida community. Rescue units rushing early on this Thursday to partially to go to the partially collapsed building. Firefighters were pulling survivors from the concrete debris. The Miami Dade police said one person dying in the collapse. The mayor of Surfside Florida is Charles Burkett, and during a news conference said the building manager told him the building was substantially full, and he said, according to the mayor, the building is literally pancaked. That is a heartbreaking because it doesn't mean to me that we are going to be a, as success, successful as we wanted to be in finding people alive. Ten people treated at the scene. Two were brought to the hospital where one died. Also, 15 families walked out of the building on their own. Where is this located? It is technically... Well, the 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 it's it's near the ocean. I can tell you that it's off of 88th Street. If you know much about Miami, Florida, but a building collapse, a condo building collapsing, and it's a just devastating. Looks like a bomb went off there in Miami today with this collapse. And as the description said, this building pancaked. If you know much about construction, you may know kind of what he's talking about there. Also from Florida, a police officer is now critical after being shot in the head. A manhunt underway for a cowardly suspect, and this happened in Daytona Beach. And the shooting, the person that did this, is considered armed and dangerous, according to authorities. the The Daytona Beach officer wounded was rushed into surgery and is in critical condition, according to reports. The suspect, identified as 29-year-old Othel Wallace, again considered armed and dangerous, according to the Volusia County Sheriff's Department. As a $100,000 reward is being offered right now in the capture of 29 year old Othel Wallace. If you have info that can lead to the capture of this suspect, he is driving, at least according to reports, a 2016 Honda HRV with a California Tag 7TNX532. And this suspect, again, Othel Wallace, a black male. Born March 30th, 1992, considered to be armed and dangerous. The officer was found on the ground with a gunshot wound after he'd stopped responding to his radio while investigating a suspicious incident in this Daytona Beach area. The police chief, Jakari Young of Daytona Police, called the suspect a coward in a late Wednesday night press briefing and said the suspect shot at the officer after he started speaking with him at some point. The suspect turns and shoots my officer one time in the head. And the officer, according to the chief, is in grave condition. We certainly hope for the best here for this Daytona Beach police officer and this coward that shot him in the head. And we hope we can get an arrest here pretty soon in this case that's developing in Florida. In South Carolina, a video has been released, and it shows the arrest of two black men. And because of this, a riot is what's being described is taking place outside of this South Carolina police station as rioters throwing objects at a police officer before officers had to move in in riot gear. This comes to us from Rock Hill, South Carolina, about 20 miles south of Charlotte, as rioters blocked the intersection and sparked a fire outside the Rock Hill police station Wednesday night. And this came hours after a video on social media showing police struggling with two black men while arresting them at a gas station. The Rock Hill Police identified the two being arrested as brothers Ricky Roderick Price and Travis Price. And it wasn't clear from that video how the altercation started. But the video shows an officer punching one of the suspects several times as he and another officer attempt to make an arrest while the suspect is held on the ground. And the images drew about 100 people to the Rock Hill Police Department late on Wednesday. And then riders threw objects at police officers. Other officers had to come in and help out. It wasn't clear, at least according to reports, if any rioters were arrested. According to one reporter for WSOC-TV in Charlotte, dozens in Rock Hill took to the streets in response to this controversial bystander video of Rock Hill police officers arresting the two men. The local NAACP president, with a release saying, After reviewing the video, I was appalled and, quite frankly, a little bit shocked. That coming from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Nobody, to my knowledge, seriously hurt thus far, and the brothers were not severely wounded or injured that I'm aware of in this developing story from the Palmetto State. How about this altercation in Memphis over this past couple of days? Fighting in Memphis, two men fighting over a spicy chicken sandwich and it leads to a shooting at a Memphis-area Burger King. Tavares McKinney and Kiana Caliburton got into an altercation with employees at the Burger King on North Hollywood in Fraser, in the Memphis suburb of Fraser. Police say the two left the restaurant and returned minutes later, firing multiple shots from the road into the parking lot. Two people ended up being struck by these idiots firing bullets at the Memphis-area Burger King, all Upset about a spicy chicken sandwich. we got some real knuckleheads out there, don't you think? Also in Florida, this is good news. It's actually a Florida-slash-Mexico story. After 14 years on the run, they have caught a DUI fugitive from Florida in Mexico. And this fugitive is linked to the deaths of two people in the Sunshine State. And he's been on the run for years Finally, they have caught up with this man in Florida, Brian Dale Andrews of Frostproof. He's 43 years old. He was 29 at the time that he crashed and killed husband and wife, Danny and Patricia McCown, in Avon Park, Florida, that crash occurring June 30th of 2007, and he was arrested at the time, or... He was found at the time to have a blood alcohol reading that was nearly 4 times the legal limit. He spent 2 days in jail and then fled after posting bail of $10,000. He had also had previous DUI charges back in 2001 and 2004. And Andrews, the now 43-year-old Brian Dell Andrews, was caught near Mexico City by the US Marshal Service after a Florida Highway Patrol trooper Chris Wells Received a tip about the suspect's whereabouts. Wells had been tracking the case for more than a decade, and Mr. Andrews is now legally coming across that Mexican border, but this time he's coming to stay for quite a long time, and he's going to have extra shackles and a couple of extra bars in his prison because Florida, Florida law enforcement's going not going to take a gamble that this guy's going to sneak back across a border near you soon and he's going to be in jail and hopefully will serve quite some time for the DUI deaths that caused the, the, the crash that caused the deaths of husband and wife Danny and Patricia McCown in Avon Park, Florida, back in 2007. In Kentucky, a redneck rave has led to the arrest of 48 people. This redneck rave happened. There were fights, there were drugs, and even an impelment in Edmondson County this happened at the whew, who would have ever guessed that something like this would happen at the Blue Holler Off-Road Park in Edmondson County, Kentucky and it had this redneck rave going on here recently a five day country party that organizers the organizers of it promised would feature mud, music and mayhem and the event was organized by a country rapper known as Just In Time you know something's wrong when you got a country rapper and that's from edmondson county the sheriff's office there had to go out and check on what's going on and sheriff shane doyle knew the event would cause problems for his staff and was overwhelmed the gatherings last year overwhelmed his staff so they ended up going in there this year to the the park and able to make a bunch of arrests again 48 arrests for drugs for fights and even an impalement at a redneck rave in Edmondson County, Kentucky. (laughs) Vice President Kamala Harris, she is going to visit El Paso as part of a trip to the U.S.-Mexico borders. Now, of course, she's been receiving lots of criticism, several months' worth of criticism for not going to the border as she was tasked with kind of being President Biden's liaison for border affairs And now, according to a statement from the office of the vice president, she's going to go to El Paso on Friday, June 25th, and will be accompanied by the DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. President Biden, back in March, asked the vice president to oversee the administration's immigration response. The White House said Harris will focus on addressing the root causes of the spike of people coming to this country from countries like El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, the White House statement saying, as part of the ongoing work, the VP traveled to Guatemala and Mexico earlier this month and will travel to El Paso on Friday. But she's finally going. Now, just last week, former President Donald Trump said he's going to go back to the border as he announced last week that he's accepted Texas Governor Greg Abbott's invitation to visit the southern border border by the end of the month, which is running out quick. I guess he's got about a week to get there if he's going to go join up with the Texas governor and visit the U.S.-Mexico border. Many Republicans, and a few Democrats even, have criticized Kamala Harris for not visiting the border soon. But she appears to be going there. I guess her boss man said, Hey, Kamala, you need to get on down there to El Paso or somewhere and see that border because I'm catching a little bit too much heat here we got to do something about it. Speaking of President Trump, in addition to going to the border, he is going to have a Save America rally in Sarasota, Florida, the day before the 4th of July. I guess we could call it the 4th of July Eve. He will be having a post-presidential rally at the Sarasota County Fairgrounds on July 3rd, the event being sponsored by the Save America movement. As President Trump issuing the following statement about this movement on his own website. Over the past four years, my administration delivered for Americans of all backgrounds like never before. Save America is about building on those accomplishments, supporting the brave conservatives who will define the future of the America First movement, the future of our party, and the future of our beloved country. Save America is also about ensuring that we always keep America first in our foreign and domestic policy. We take pride in our country. We teach the truth about our history. We celebrate our rich heritage and national traditions. And of course, we respect our great American flag. Not my words, the President of the United States from 2017 to 21, President Donald J. Trump. Those were his words in this statement. This July 3rd rally in Sarasota, it starts at 8 p.m. Doors open at 2 p.m. And after it, Hey, stick around if you're in Sarasota because a fireworks show will be put on by the Repu- Republican Party of Florida and Sky King Fireworks. Fireworks inside the building, fireworks outside the building when Donald, Donald Trump has this big rally July 3rd in Sarasota. And look for him to keep these kind of rallies going forward big time because he loves them and, frankly, it makes for good television, in my opinion, and good entertainment. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got an update on sports. We'll tell you about the Atlanta Hawks, big win for them, and some NASCAR news. Jeff Gordon, the Rainbow Warrior, is stepping away from the broadcast booth. I'll tell you all about it up next It's the Y'all Show Thursday. Good to be back with you here. We're going to talk a little sports now. And what a big, big event it was in Milwaukee for a certain NBA franchise out of Atlanta, Georgia. Congratulations to the Hawks. Wednesday, they go into Milwaukee, to five-serve arena there, and come away with a big victory. It was a close game, really, throughout the whole second half, but... Atlanta takes a 1-0 series lead in this NBA Eastern Conference Final matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks after getting a big, big win, 116-113. Trey Young, 48 points in this one, and Atlanta gets the momentum in game one and will ride that into game two. And heck, if they can win game two, they can come back to Atlanta and win this Eastern Conference Finals and get to their very first NBA Finals. It is a Southern Sports Blast with your host, John Rawl here on this Thursday Y'all Show. And NBA-wise, yes, it was a big one for Atlanta getting this victory and the Hawks' advance. What about Trey Young? 48 points. This guy continues to get a lot of traction, and he's just a fantastic NBA player. A player picked by the Atlanta Hawks several years ago in the NBA draft. He was a first-round pick, fifth overall by the Hawks in the 2018 draft. So he's been playing a couple of years to his credit An NBA All-Star in 2020. He was on the All-Rookie First Team back in 2019 in that first season. He is a guy born, of all places, Lubbock, Texas. I wonder why he didn't become a Red Raider. He is actually the son of a former Red Raider player, Rayford Young. Didn't realize that. Trey Young, his dad, one of the great, I guess, players in Texas Tech who went on to play in Europe. And Trey Young... Ended up attending high school in Norman, Oklahoma. Went to Norman North, and he actually did not play basketball in his freshman year, but started in his sophomore year. And what a way to start. He averaged 25 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds per game as he helped Norman North win the 2015 Area Championship. And he was named Oklahoma Sophomore of the Year. Ended up having his team in subsequent years go on to the championship game in Oklahoma. Decided to stay in Norman to attend OU and was a very, very good basketball player for the Oklahoma Sooners before being taken in the 2018 NBA draft. Trey Young, who's now 22 years old, he'll be turning 23 in September. He's only listed at six foot one, A rather smaller guy up there on the court, this point guard number 11 for the Atlanta Hawks, but is he good or what? and Atlanta enjoys that first game win and they will be getting back together on the court on Friday. Today in the NBA, you got the Suns and Clippers. That's set for a 8 Eastern, rather 9 Eastern, 8 Central tip from LA as this series now with a 2-0 lead for the Suns. They'll be in Tinseltown to take on the Clippers. ESPN will start this broadcast again 9 Eastern this evening. And then, as I said, Friday, you've got Game 2 of the hawks buck series from 5-Serve Forum in Milwaukee. That will be televised on TNT Friday evening. To NASCAR, some news there. Jeff Gordon is going to serve as the second-highest official at Hendrick Motorsports and is going to leave his position with Fox Sports. He's been in the broadcast booth with Fox, and he's going to take over a daily role at Hendrick Motorsports in the Charlotte area. He'll serve as a vice chairman and the second-ranking team official to majority owner Rick Hendrick. The announcement on Wednesday from Charlotte positions the four-time champion and Hall of Fame driver to one day succeed Rick Hendrick as the top of that NASCAR organization, Hendrick Motorsports. I didn't realize Rick Hendrick didn't have a family member set to take over, but Jeff Gordon, the 49-year-old former stock car driver, will formally begin his executive management role at Hendrick Motorsports with the start of 2022. Rick Hendrick in a statement saying, Jeff and I have talked about this for many years, and I feel it's a natural evolution for him and our company. He understands our culture, our values, and the importance we place on our people and our partnerships. Now, Jeff Gordon joined Hendrick Motorsports for the final cup race of the 1992 season, and from there went on to have one of the greatest NASCAR careers As he won 93 races, that's number three on the all-time list of NASCAR wins. He won four cup titles before his 2015 retirement. And here, Jeff Gordon, it looks like moving on from the race car to the broadcast booth to the ownership booth with Hendrick Motorsports positioned to kind of take that company over. A very, very successful NASCAR ownership group is Hendrick Motorsports. Some college football news, we will have a new location of the Holiday Bowl as the Holiday Bowl will move downtown after spending 42 years at Qualcomm Stadium, the old home of the San Diego Chargers and the old home of the San Diego State Aztecs and the old home of the San Diego Padres. Qualcomm Stadium is getting torn down. And they're going to be putting up a new football-only stadium, I think it's what it is, for the San Diego State Aztecs. I don't think there will be NFL football back in San Diego anytime soon, at least because that stadium being built for the Aztecs really is kind of a small stadium. But the Holiday Bowl is going to continue in San Diego, and it's going to move to the Padres' current home of Petco Park. As the CEO, Mark Neville, confirmed this move on Wednesday He and officials from the Padres unveiled renderings of how the ballpark will accommodate a football field. No date's been set for the 2021 game, and this will be the first in a new five-year contract between the Pac-12 and the ACC. So ACC teams playing in San Diego going forward, and no more BYU and Mountain West teams, it looks like, playing in the Holiday Bowl. The Holiday Bowl was played from its inception in 1978 until 2019 in the former Qualcomm Stadium, which its previous names were San Diego Stadium and Jack Murphy Stadium, and now it's going to have a baseball park as a home, which isn't completely foreign. We've got the pinstripe bowl in New York City where the Yankees play. Yankee Stadium is the home of that one. There is also a bowl played, or at least it was, I haven't checked lately, the one in Phoenix that's not the Fiesta Bowl. It's been played in the Arizona Diamondbacks Stadium, we even had a couple of years ago a bowl played where the Miami Marlins play football, play baseball, and they right there on the side of the old Orange Bowl, they've had college ball games there. If you've never Googled the video, check out the year that Memphis played there and gotten a nasty fight, <laughs> pretty rough stuff there at the Miami Marlins baseball home when they had a college football game. Being played. We've got some college baseball news as the UAB Blazers have hired Sanford's baseball coach, Casey Dunn. Casey doesn't even have to move his home. He's easily now going to be taking over for the Blazers, leaving the SOCON champion, Sanford Bulldogs, to go a little bit about two or three miles north of the Homewood campus of the Bulldogs to be the Blazers' coach. And as a result of Casey Dunn being the UAB coach, the Sanford Bulldogs of the Southern Conference have promoted associate head coach Tony David to be Sam, not Stan, to be the coach of the Sanford Bulldogs of the Southern Conference. Now, Tony David has spent the last 16 seasons with the Sanford Bulldogs, and now he's going to be coaching this SOCON team going forward, college baseball at its finest in Birmingham. And we're not done talking college baseball. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we've got some big college baseball news coming out of Omaha, Nebraska. The Southeastern Conference is hanging on. Vanderbilt with a dramatic wild pitch walk-off and the Commodores advance to another day. We'll have info on that. Plus, the Mississippi State Bulldogs are looking really good. We also have some college football news coming courtesy of the South Carolina Gamecocks. It's all part of our SEC report, and that is coming up next on the Y'all Show. Anchor down. Way to go, Vanderbilt Commodores. They were down to their last strike Wednesday in Omaha, and Tim Corbin's battling Vandy boys came off the mat and shook the world with a dramatic walk-off victory over the Stanford Cardinal. I'm John Rawl. Welcome back in to Talk with a Southern Accent. It is our SEC report, and how about that black and gold? With a big, big win, a surprising win, because, like I said, most of the people, the pundits, had kind of written the defending national champions off because they were really struggling in that ninth inning for sure, and really the last couple of frames against Stanford. But Vanderbilt, six to five, they pick up the game nine victory and they advance. Now, how that happened? They had a rally in the bottom of the ninth, we were able to get some runners on, they were able to tie the game, and then the poor Stanford Cardinal pitcher had a wild pitch with a Vanderbilt runner on third. And boom, y'all, <laughs> Vanderbilt is able to scoot on home and get the walk-off victory 6-5 to five over Stanford. Stanford is eliminated. Vanderbilt moves on to play Friday against NC State. They have to win both Friday and Saturday against the Wolfpack if they're going to be able to stick around Omaha for the national championship finals of the college World Series. But a one-run win for Vanderbilt on Wednesday. Congratulations. Now, Tuesday, it was drama there. There's been some fantastic baseball played at this year's College World Series. And on Tuesday, it was one heck of a game between Mississippi State. As they were playing, they had not lost a game. They played against Virginia. And MSU rallied to get a one-run victory on Tuesday, 6-5. to five. Same score, Same drama, same conference, and the SEC survives with two teams now. Mississippi State awaits Friday, the winner of today's game between the Texas Longhorns and the Virginia Cavaliers. Loser goes home, winner of this Texas-Virginia game plays Friday against Chris Lamonis' Mississippi State Bulldogs. Why don't we hear from Chris Lamonis of MSU? As his team, again, off to a 2-0 start in Omaha, and they are just doing incredible in their third straight appearance in Omaha, Nebraska. The Diamond Dogs from Stark Vegas doing fantastic and perhaps will bring back to Stark Vegas Mississippi State's very first team national championship. There has not been a national championship by any team in the state of Mississippi's history until about a month ago when the University of Mississippi Oxford campus won the women's national golf title. And could we have two months consecutively where a team from the great state of Mississippi comes through with a national championship? We're getting mighty close, getting mighty close, and MSU and all the good folks there at Polk Diamond Stadium cannot wait to see if MSU advances into the finals and can perhaps state come away with a national championship. Here is the head coach of the here is the head coach of the dogs, Chris Alonis, speaking after his team got the big win this week.
1: It's awesome, and and they they came here to win it. They they've been here. They've they've walked off this field and felt like they could have done more. And um, and they're invested right now and they're playing great baseball and. We just got to, you know, get our work in and let these guys just keep playing games. And and, um, the way they're playing, we got a chance to play for a while. I know this sounds crazy, but the ability to take a punch and keep playing is one of our greatest assets that we have. I mean, we have taken punches all year long. We take punches, you know, and that's one thing about our league and playing against the best every weekend is, um, man, you you get knocked back and you got to stand up and fight and our kids just – that's what they do. I've used the word resilient all night, but that's who we are. That's 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 what – you know, some teams may have more of something else, but we're a tough, gritty team, and um, they'll never stop playing. These guys will play until the last out every time.
0: Chris Lamonis now in his third year, his really only second year as the middle of those years was the coronavirus shortened season, but he is doing a fantastic job after coming to Starkville from IU, Indiana, and he's got his team really right there on the edge of perhaps playing for the national championship and perhaps winning a natty for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Now, Tennessee, the Vols appeared in Omaha, and their season's over with. They went 0-2 with a big loss to Texas here this week, and Tennessee is out. Tony Vitello has nothing to hang his head about, although in his clip after the game, Mentioned that he's going to take some time to have to get over this one. But Tennessee baseball, it appears, is back. So if you're a Vol fan, take no shame at all in going 0-2 in Omaha. You've got a very good baseball coach, a very good baseball program. Now, Tony Vitello is going to give us some thoughts about his team, but he's also here in this clip going to address the rumor about the LSU opening as we still don't have a replacement for Paul Maneri as head coach of the LSU baseball program. Here is the Tennessee Vols head baseball coach, Tony Vitello, after his team went down in flames in Omaha.
2: Thank you to Vol fans. Uh, the Vol walk on football Saturday is pretty impressive. It's a tradition that's gone on for a long, long time. Uh, but these kids somehow inspired the Vol walk for baseball to be created, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty incredible sight and emotional thing. So thank you to those people, but also the people that just helped boost up our program into being an Omaha-type program. Uh, We we hope to be that for for multiple years, uh, not just this year. So can't make any promises, but obviously we'd like to do better next time. Uh, But don't want our kids to have any sort of guilt. Um, You know, they're good kids. You got a guy apologizing, and I'm apologizing to them, and I think that's what you know, makes a good team is when you got each other's back and, and you want to see the guy next to you succeed more than you want it for yourself. Um, and disappointing day, uh, you know, probably uh, a, a lot of social media stuff can, can make these guys seem like uh, they, they kind of want to be the bad boys. Uh, but there's just a bunch of kids that want to win for each other. And uh, some guys that off the field, you take that jersey off, they're pretty soft and they're pretty good kids. Um, but when they throw it on, they do everything they can uh, to win for Tennessee and and to win for each other, and I'm honored to have been around them for 50 wins and uh, obviously one loss too many.
3: Tony, have you had any communication with LSU regarding its vacant coaching position, and and do you expect to
4: be the head coach at Tennessee next season?
2: Uh, No, I have not had zero, and, um, you know, I just made an idiot out of myself, at least for all the masculine folks watching, by by, uh, getting teary-eyed about these kids and that's where my focus has been so uh, like I said the social life hasn't been existent for quite some time uh, well before our opening day game and a part of that is I want to do as good of a job as I can for the school that gave me a chance and I want to do as good of a job I can for a group that we thought could go pretty far Uh, and then you know the way the season evolved like I said I mean the emotions certainly not fake Uh, I don't know if it's embarrassing or not but it's coming from a place where that's my number one concern is, is these guys. And I'll go back to the, the room and anyone who knows me, it'll be bad uh, how much I critique myself and it hurts. So I'm certainly not going to waste energy before a game or any other game uh, having regrets that, you know, my mind wasn't right or we weren't prepared the right way to go into whatever game it might be.
0: I don't think he answered the question. Is he in consideration for the LSU job? That was Tennessee Vols head baseball coach Tony Vitello. You can't deny his team did an amazing job with all the wins this year and making it to Omaha. Congratulations to Tennessee, to the fan base for sticking with this program, and big things to come, especially if Tony Vitello decides to hang around Knox County for a, a little bit longer. Again, the next SEC team hitting the diamond will be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt will play Friday. Mississippi State will play Friday, your two remaining teams, and they'll be in the Final Four of College Baseball's World Series. Will both teams move on to the College Baseball Championship Finals? We'll have to wait and see how the games are played here Friday and possibly Saturday. To some college football news, the president and chairman of the College Football Playoff is Mark Keenum of Mississippi State. He is the president of MSU and he put out a statement here this week. The College Football Playoff Board of Managers heard a presentation from a working group appointed to look into the possibility of expanding the College Football Playoff. It was an excellent presentation, and on behalf of the board, I am grateful to the four members who spent two years discussing this important issue and arriving at its recommendation for a 12-team playoff the four team playoff has been a great success and I'm confident it will remain a success. Nevertheless, it is our responsibility to explore options to make it even better by increasing the number of schools that participate in it. That a part of a lengthy statement put out by Mark Keenum, president of Mississippi State University, as if he's the chairman of the CFP Board of Managers, it sure looks like that thing's gonna be expanding pretty, pretty soon. Now, this past Sunday was Father's Day. And if you happen to follow the following account on social media, at Lane underscore Kiffen, yeah, that's the official social media home of the head coach of the Mississippi Land Sharks. who in his Twitter profile, the first words are not that he's the head coach of Ole Miss FB on Twitter. The first statement from Lane Kiffin's Twitter account is hashtag BLM with four exclamation marks. Okay, Lane, we get it. But he's also likes to stick his finger in people's eye. And over the Father's Day weekend, Lane Kiffin, coach of the Sharks, puts out a tweet with an image of, a Photoshop image (laughs) of Nick Saban holding a little baby Kirby Smart in his arms with the Alabama logo is part of the A in the word happy, and it says Happy Father's Day. And it's got Nick Saban all muscled up, tatted up, holding tiny baby Kirby Smart of Georgia. And Lane Kiffin's words above that idiotic post say, trying to get swole after spending Sunday with the Alabama football at Kirby Smart. Football, Maybe he was with them, I don't know, and he was having fun. But a little bit childish, if you ask me. But that's what Lane Kiffin is known to do. Get out there and stick it in the eye. He's getting all swole, downtown David Thomas. Faroe Field at Memorial Stadium. That is the home of the Missouri Tigers. And they are going to get an upgrade of AstroTurf there at Faroe Field entering the 2021 season. So it ought to be high-flying, fast football for MU When they start the 2021 season on a newly installed athletic field, again, getting a new dosage of AstroTurf put in there at Faroe Field. Alabama superfan has died. Dick Coffey dying at the age of 91. He attended over 700 games. He started his first game against the Furman Paladins. Back in 1946, were you all there to see F.U. and Alabama play? The game played in Birmingham. It was a 26-7 to Crimson Tide victory over the Furman Paladins in 1946. And that began a streak, a streak that started way back then and went on Alabama superfan Dick Coffee Seeing a lot of Alabama games during his lifetime, by the way. Now to college football and more college football news coming in. Did you know that Tulane and LSU were both SEC members from 1933, the formation of the conference, until 1965, the year that Tulane decided to roll wave on out of the SEC? And when Tulane left the SEC, they were only one SEC championship behind LSU. (laughs) And to this day, the Tulane Green Wave, have as many SEC championships as UK in football we're talking in football they've got the same amount of SEC championships as Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, South Carolina, Missouri and Texas A&M. I guess Tulane never won an SEC championship in football and nor have Kentucky, Vanderbilt Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Mizzou, and Texas A&M. I do take offense. I do believe Mississippi State claims 1941 as an SEC championship in football, and I better check because I'm not so sure Kentucky doesn't claim one, too, somewhere back in the day. But I know that Missouri's gotten awful close, and they could not get it together in the SEC championship the two years that they played in Atlanta. Arkansas's gotten awful close. And they also could not get it together. Mississippi State's played. They should have won. They got, some people say, screwed when they played Tennessee in the year that Tennessee won the national championship. Now, Kentucky claims two conference titles. And I know you want to know what years they claim those things. Hmm. Conference championships, 1950 and 76. Now, 76 was a year that Kentucky was officially 5-1, and one, and they had to share the title with Georgia. Of course, these are the pre-SEC championship days in Atlanta, but they, under Fran Kirchie, claim an SEC title 76. And then with Paul Bear Bryant, Kentucky won in 1950. I don't think that is disputed. So this article about bragging on Tulane (laughs) may not be totally accurate. But, yeah, Tulane, a member of the conference for all those years. And then just like Georgia Tech, they left the conference seeking green wave pastures elsewhere. And in many ways, it had not worked out too good for that campus in New Orleans. But they're in a pretty good position now as members of the AAC. They actually get a lot of good – I guess, publicity on their athletic programs. And they've had a competitive football team here of late. And they even have a pretty nice stadium in Yuleman Stadium there on the side of the old Sugar Bowl on the Tulane campus. So love to talk a little football history, if you don't mind. I'll talk with a Southern accent. When we come back, we've got a quick report on social media fun across the southern landscape that is part of our hashtag Huddle blue and my friends that's coming up next on talk with a southern accent roll wave Going to wrap this first hour of our Thursday y'all up with a little hashtag hullabaloo. This is where we go on social media and find some of the great stuff of the Southland. And let me, first of all, apologize to our friends in Garnet and Black. We have run out of time in this first hour, and I was not able to pull up the clip from the Post and Courier of their great interview with Shane Beamer, coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll have to squeeze that in in the next few days a really really informative one hour interview with the new coach of the South Carolina football team my apologies fighting gamecocks but we're going to keep it in South Carolina for our social media fun because the account eat stay play buford that is on twitter espbft discover the best of buford south carolina and explore over 300 years worth of history culture and southern hospitality with Eat, Stay, Play, Buford. One of my favorite towns in the entire world is Buford, South Carolina. Just was there back at the end of summer. Love it, love it, love it. And Buford SC is letting us know, let me tell you, y'all, did you know that today is National Praline Day? Happy National Pralines Day. Tell us, do you love this southern confection as much as we do? That is asked by Eat, Stay, Play, Buford. I love pralines, or if you're in New Orleans, it's pralines. A softer, creamier combination of syrup, pecans, and more go into pralines. This wonderful confection containing the nuts, the sugar, and I am a professional praline maker. If you are really close to me, and if I really like you, you just might get me to make you some homemade Pralines. I love pralines, but boy, they can't be very healthy because they're just loaded up with lots of brown sugar and sugar. and Yeah, they got some pecans thrown in there for good measure, but <laughs> it's National Pralines Day. Happy National Pralines Day to all y'all. Go out and celebrate, and if you aren't able to make pralines, at least most places, especially your national chains, have a form of ice cream that's got pralines or pralines in them. That'll do here on National Praline Day. Thank you for sharing that with us. Eat, stay, play, Beaufort. we got another hour of the Y'all Show coming up, so stay tuned. <music> hour two of Y'all on a Thursday. I'm John Rawl. We've got all kinds of good Southern stuff coming your way. Lots of entertainment news. Some Britney Spears information and some music from the Tangipoa Parish Lady. All that here in Hour 2. Plus, we're going to clean things up after talking about Britney Spears. (laughs) We're going to bring on Dove, a winning contemporary Christian act, We the Kingdom. And they have a beautiful, beautiful song called Holy Water. We'll be playing a portion of that and letting you learn all about this group. It's two brothers, two children of one of the brothers, and then another guy thrown in for eh, a little extra something there. Five-member group, We the Kingdom. We've got an interview with them, this Contemporary Christian Act that's been nominated for Grammys. That will be on later this hour, plus Kobe Bennett following up the hour with a southern accent on Southern business all right here on y'all talk with the southern accent if you want to get involved our number is 803-816-1170 that is a way to text or call us at your leisure 803-816-1170 you can go to our website we are the official homepage of the south i bet you didn't know that well i'm telling you we are so we've got unbelievable articles unbelievable interviews the y'all show is posted at y'all.com Go there and just learn so much and share, share, share. Not that singer from back in the 60s share. I'm talking S-H-A-R-E. We want you to share all the good news. Share the good news about y'all. All that at you com and on podcast form if you want to catch us that way and listen to us at your leisure. We are on you com. but we're also on Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher app, the TuneIn Radio app, and we're also available for free download at I Heart Radio. We are the show. We are the website that's all about the South. And we're tickled that you would be here for hour two of this y'all show. Back into what's going on across the news of the South. Developing story today out of Miami, Florida. At least one person has been killed when a Miami area condo building has collapsed. A lot of people trapped. This is a developing story here on this Thursday. This happened in the town of Surfside, and that's in the Miami area, as Miami-Dade police saying at least one person has died in this collapse. The mayor of Surfside, Florida, is Charles Burkett, and during a news conference he said the building manager told him the building was substantially full, and the mayor saying the building is literally pancaked. And that it's going to be heartbreaking because it doesn't mean to me that we are going to be as successful as we wanted to be in finding people alive. Now, 15 families were able to get away from the building unharmed. But a lot of people taken to Miami area hospitals and just an ugly scene there of a condo in Miami collapsing. And at least one person now reported dead in South Florida. An altercation over spicy chicken nuggets has led to a shooting at a Memphis Burger King. This happened in Fraser, Tavares McKinney and Kiana Halliburton got into an altercation with employees at this Burger King on North Hollywood in Fraser in the Memphis area. And police say the two left the Burger King, then returned a few minutes later firing multiple shots from the road into a parking lot. And when they did that, two people were struck by bullets and I don't have an update on their condition. Now, today, McKinney and Halliburton are scheduled to appear in court in the Memphis area. They face several charges, including attempted first-degree murder, all over being upset over spicy chicken nuggets. I wonder if they didn't want them or they got them and they needed more spice. I don't know, but it just maybe there was something else at play here. In Frazier when this one happened over the weekend, good news from a U.S. Marshal standpoint as we know that a 43 year old man from Frostproof, Florida Brian Dale Andrews has been on the run for many years he is alleged to have killed a husband and wife, Danny and Patricia McCown back in 2007 in a crash that he was arrested for DUI vehicular homicide and he was in jail and then he fled he didn't show up for I guess it's sentencing or bond or something. And he's been on the run for 14 years, but a tip helped lead authorities to capture him in Mexico. And he was caught near Mexico City in the last few days by the U.S. Marshal Service after a Florida Highway Patrol trooper named Chris Wells received a tip about the suspect's whereabouts. And the trooper there, Wells, says they've been tracking this man for more than a decade and they're finally able to catch up with Brian Dell Andrews arrested years ago on a suspected DUI crash that left two people dead and now he is with the proper Florida authorities and will have to ultimately face the justice system of this country and not Mexico now that he's been caught 14 years on the run in Mexico and this is a white guy, this is a white southern guy it looks like and you have to think i'm sorry i hate to stereotype but you have to think if you're in mexico and you're a native and you see a guy like this a, a fellow from the north side of the border hanging out in your country all these years don't you have to think that there's something up why is this guy down here why is he not going back to florida florida's a nice place to be i'm not saying mexico is not a nice place to be but usually unless you're a mexican native, you have to go back and forth if you're living in a country outside of the United States and get your visa stamped or whatever. I've, I've never lived outside of the country. I've never lived outside the South. <laughs> but the, you'd have to think if you're a, a local in Mexico, you have to say, this this guy, this guy, something's up with him. He's got a checkered past somewhere. I wonder if they can even turn people like that in in Mexico and get a, a nice little reward because I'm sure We, this country, specifically the law enforcement officials in Florida, have wasted a lot of time and a lot of money trying to track down Brian Dale Andrews since he went on the run in 2007 and was in Mexico. Good news is he's back in the U.S., and he's going to have to face the music here of what he did to kill this couple back in 2007. We'll keep you updated on anything that might happen going forward with this story. A story out of Georgia that I just got shared with me, a rattlesnake has bitten a five-year-old girl multiple times in her dad's backyard. And because of this rattlesnake bite, it's now in some ways helping out because the child did not know they had an unknown allergy. And the mother of the girl said she wants to help other parents avoid what she has to, had to go through. That is the message coming from Valdosta as Mother Cindy Spell talked to the local news about her 5-year-old daughter, Maisie, Maisie recovering after being bitten five times by a rattlesnake in her father's backyard on Friday of last week. And that, again, would be scary to have your young child bitten multiple times by a venomous snake. But it wasn't until the family arrived at the emergency room that they discovered that Maisie, the five-year-old, is allergic to snake venom. The allergy caused the young girl to go briefly into anaphylactic shock. The poison also caused the young girl's leg to swell up. And it looks like she's on the road to recovery, but little kids out there got to be real careful with snakes at this time of year. It took more than 41 doses of antivenom to bring the swelling down in her leg And it appears she's on the mend. When told what happened, the five-year-old commented that she felt bad. That wasn't as good as getting away from snakes as Lucky. I guess Lucky might be her dog. (laughs) Sense of humor there. The Mayo Clinic recommends calling 911 immediately when someone is bitten by a snake. It also recommends remaining calm to slow the spread of the venom, keeping the bite wound below the heart, and cleaning it with soap and water of the wound if you're able to but yeah this five-year-old in Valdosta brave girl and hopefully Maisie who I've never seen a young child with that name spelled the way it is M-A-I-S-Y Maisie we wish you all the best just be careful when you're out there playing in the yard of the south this time of year it uh It can be scary at times. But kids, that's no excuse. That's no excuse for you to stay inside and play video games. You need to get out in the great outdoors. And in this case, even if you get bit by a snake, there's a road to recovery. And she's getting the Y'all Show and other news outlets talking about her here on the show All About the South. Kamala Harris is going to go to El Paso. She's going to finally visit the border after a couple of months being criticized for being derelict on her job, if you will, as she's supposed to be President Biden's chief of all things border, and she hasn't even been to the border. And she also hasn't been to Europe. (laughs) Ha, 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 She's going to be going to El Paso on Friday. She'll go there with the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas as they'll be visiting the border in El Paso, Texas. Now, President Trump's going to be going to the border The former president is going to be joining up with the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, to inspect the border. Remember, Texas, they've come out. In fact, Greg Abbott himself, he's recently come out and said, gummit, if the federal government won't help build a wall, Texas is going to build a wall. All right. Well, President Trump's wall-bound in Texas in the next few days. He's also Sarasota-bound as the 45th president is going to have a rally on 4th of July Eve at the Sarasota County Fairgrounds, taking place July 3rd, the event being sponsored by the Save America movement. President Trump with a statement out. That statement includes the words over the past four years, my administration delivered for Americans of all backgrounds like never before. Save America is about building on those accomplishments, supporting the brave conservatives who will define the future of the America First movement, the future of our party, and the future of our beloved country, and he goes on from there. This July 3rd rally starts at 8 p.m., doors opening in Sarasota at 2 p.m. Now, after the event, I don't know if the president's going to stick around, but if you stick around in Sarasota at the fairgrounds there, you will not only have fireworks inside, as President Trump has his probably raucous rally there in Sarasota, there's going to be a fireworks show put on by the Republican Party of Florida and Sky King Fireworks when this event happens on July 3rd. President Trump with a big rally planned in Sarasota. Get your butt to Sarasota if you're a big Trump fan for the 4th of July weekend. Lumbee tribal leaders in North Carolina are speaking out against a school's mascot. The Lumbee Indians have a very proud history in North Carolina and South Carolina, too, And the Lumbee Tribal Council, at least a few members of it, are calling for a Gaston County, North Carolina high school to remove a mascot and logo that they call an inaccurate and derogatory representation of American Indians. And outlets in the Charlotte area report that the tribal leaders spoke at the Gaston County Board of Education this week. And they spoke out against South Point High School's Red Raider mascot, both the name and logo. A member of the Lumbee Tribal Council, Yvonne Dial, told the board that they find it very offensive and demeaning. The Lumbee Tribe has about 50,000 members, including some who live in Gaston County in the Charlotte area. The Catawba and Cherokee Indian Nations are the most prominent tribes in Gaston County. And that, again, just outside of Charlotte. I guess Gaston County is Gastonium. And there actually were speakers speaking in support of the mascot and logo including the mayor of Belmont North Carolina Charlie Martin who said the name has been there for a long time and quote it's not offended anybody around here that we know of but right now this school South Point High the Red Raiders are under the crosshairs of the certain members of the Lumbee Tribal Council in North Carolina Here's some news out of South Carolina. If you've ever vacationed in Hilton Head, if you live in Beaufort County, you know all about the Cross Island Parkway. That's a toll road that will get you as soon as you cross onto Hilton Head from right where you cross over to the far end over there by Sea Pines. And it saves several minutes of time. It's a toll road. It is one of only two toll roads in the entire state of South Carolina, the only other located in the Greenville area. There's no toll roads in Myrtle Beach, none in Charleston. There's none in Columbia. There's not even one in 96 South Carolina or Due West or Monk's Corner or mm, let me give you another good one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Peelion. I knew I'd come up with a good one. Peelion, as the locals call it. Go look that one up. Home of my mama. Cross Island Parkway on Hilton Hill will end its toll collections June 30th. That is sad news. It is a seven-and-a-half-mile parkway that opened in 1998 with the purpose of diverting traffic from other parts of the island that got very congested. And so motorists are charged $1.25 cash per customer. If you're a Palmetto Pass customer, it's only 75 cents based on a two-axle vehicle but they're getting rid of this toll road in Hilton Head, and you can drive on it without a toll. Fantastic news. It kind of sort of reminds me of Georgia 400, if you are familiar with that road in the Atlanta area. When it first opened, it was a toll road. It's no longer a toll road. And I guess in South Carolina, they got the funds now to justify that they don't need this to be a toll road, and you can just have a good old time and not have to waste a dollar twenty-five to save you a few traffic lights and frustration when you're driving around Hilton Head Island in the South Carolina low country. More news coming here on the Y'all Show. We've got lots of entertainment news as well. We'll take a break here, come back with that entertainment news. In fact, we've got some Britney Spears info we're going to be passing along and some some news from Nashville that literally I cried when I saw this on Wednesday And you might cry too. It is just awesome. Mainly because it's got to do with two awesome people, Carly Pierce and Dolly Parton. I'll let you hear that. And I'll tell you lots of other great stuff in our entertainment report of this, The Y'all Show. Plus, before the hour's up, an interview with We the Kingdom, a dove winning contemporary Christian act. All that here on the show, all about the South. Taking you back a few years for Kentwood, Louisiana's Britney Spears, a song called Hold It Against Me. Somewhere, I think the writers of a similar song that the Bellamy brothers made famous might take objection to that one right there. It is our entertainment report here on Talk with a Southern Accent. And Britney back in the news, she's speaking out against an abusive conservatorship. She says she just wants her life back. Her dad, Jamie, is back in Kentwood. And Brittany Spears has now broken her silence in a court hearing on Wednesday regarding her court-ordered conservatorship that's been in place for nearly 13 years. Spears suggested in a address to Judge Brenda Penny to speak out about the arrangement. The singer attended the hearing virtually by phone and spoke for more than 20 minutes as she read from prepared notes. Among the things she said was, a lot has happened since two years ago, the last time I was in court. I haven't been back to court in a long time because I don't think I was heard on any level when I came to court the last time. She said she felt she's been forced to perform, was given no privacy, and was made to use birth control, take medication, and attend therapy sessions against her will. Ugly, ugly case for Britney Spears. Brittany also, Wednesday, said that she was put on lithium despite her objections. Lithium is a very, very, in her words, very, very strong medication and completely different medication than what I've been on. You can go mentally impaired if you take too much. Stay on it longer than five months. I felt drunk, she said. I couldn't even stick up for myself. Now, lithium is commonly used to treat bipolar disorder, which often causes episodes of depression and Mania, a feeling of uncontrolled irritability or excitement. A lot of problems there. Spears is criticizing how her family, including her dad, Jamie Spears, has handled her conservatorship and responded to her concerns about her care. As she said also Wednesday, My family didn't do a G.D. thing. Anything that happened to me had to be approved by my dad, and he was the one who approved all of it. My whole family did nothing. Now, Jamie Spears has been the conservator of her estimated $60 million estate since back in 2008. As a guy in L.A., not Brittany, a guy once said, can't we all just get along? Especially if you're in the same family. They got lots of problems. And if things like lithium are part of this, it kind of maybe helps explain Britney Spears continues to be making headlines even more than 20 years after she stormed on the scene with Hit Me, Hit Me one more time. Elton John, he is a part-time Atlanta resident, or at least has been in years past, and he has announced a Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, and he's got lots of dates that he's going to be performing around the country. The tour will hit Germany starting September 1st, and then we will be in America, and really North America, frankly, January to April of 2022. Elton John, go to his website, learn more, again, for this tour. He's called the Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Is he leaving the road? Is he hanging it up, Elton John, Sir Elton John? Could be, so you better, if if you like Elton John, you better go take your opportunity to see him soon before he hangs it up. Kenny Chesney is not close to hanging it up, and he has just announced a 2022 stadium tour now that country stars seem to be getting back in the fold and having concerts and more. And Kenny Chesney, pre-coronavirus, has done a bunch of stadium tours, and he is really, really good at it. So he's got his 22 stadium tour. The Blue Chair Bay Rum presents here and now 2022 Fueled by Marathon. <laughs> Come on, Kenny. let's have a, We need a couple of more names in this one. And he's going to have this going starting April 23rd at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. And it will include a total of 19 stadium concerts in its run across the country. He'll be performing at Gillette Stadium in Massachusetts. Come on, Kenny. Where are you going to be playing in in the South, I don't see southern dates listed here. I guess I got to go to. <sighs> I hate to do it. I got to go to com. All right, so let's see here. Click on a a little linky here and see if they've got a breakdown of all the dates coming up for the 2022 Blue Chair Bay Rum Presents Here and Now 2022 fueled by Marathon Tour. Again, Tampa's the first stop, April 23rd of 22. In St. Louis, he'll be at Bush Stadium on May 7th. Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, May 21st. Nissan Stadium, Nash Vegas, he'll be there May 28th. Arlington, Texas, he'll be at the home of the Cowboys, AT&T Stadium on June 4th. In other southern cities and states, he'll be in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium on July 2nd. He will. That will be the end of his Southern Swing. He's got a lot of concert dates in Minnesota. He's got New Jersey, Michigan, and He'll wind it up with two back-to-back dates at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, August 26th and 27th. The Blue Chair Bay Rum presents here now, 2022 Fueled by Marathon, Kenny Chesney Stadium Tour of 2022. (gasps) Woo! That was a mouthful. Let's talk about Martina McBride here in our entertainment report. A little country news, country music news scattered in for good measure. The Country Music Hall of Fame is going to celebrate Independence Day which is July 4th, but it's also an amazing song put out by Martina McBride in 1993. I think Gretchen Peters wrote that song. I think I'm right on that. And they've got an exhibition at the Hall of Fame being put up, Martina McBride, The Power of Her Voice, and that's going to open up July 30th and running through August of 2022. The exhibit encompasses Martina McBride's journey from performing in her family's band as a child to becoming an award-winning country music artist with an enduring career, delivering substantive and socially aware hit songs. And Martina McBride getting lots of publicity at the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I cannot wait to see that. She is one of my favorites. She is so good, so beautiful, and so not Southern. She's a native of Kansas, but she's lived in Nashville 30-plus years, so we're happy for her for that. How about a story from Wednesday that made me cry? Dolly Parton has invited Kentucky and Carly Pierce to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry, and she'll be inducted, Carly, on August 3rd, the singer of the hit song that's out right now called Next Girl, the singer of that great song she's got with Lee Bryce that was a number one and an award-winning duet with Lee Bryce. I Hope You're Happy Now was the name of that one. And Dolly Parton, surprising her, asking the 31-year-old beautiful Kentuckian to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. Now, Carly has performed at the Opry 80 times. So the membership invite, surely she knew would be coming at some point. Let's go in and hear Dolly Parton asking Carly Pierce to be a member of the Opry. And she was able to do this because she... Someone with the Dollywood asked Carly Pierce, a former Dollywood performer, to do kind of a promo for Dollywood. So at the beginning of this, you're going to hear Carly Pierce talking about how great Dollywood is, and then lo and behold, in walks Dolly with a big announcement. Enjoy this one. Dolly Parton, Carly Pierce, Y'all Show, Country Music News, and news that frankly, as I said Wednesday when I saw this video, I cried. Charlie, what is your earliest
3: memory of Dollywood? My earliest memory of Dollywood is going when I was five years old, I think. And just going to the park for the first time. I always loved Dolly as a kid. So it was really awesome to just go to all the shows and see the performers and eat all the food and hear Dolly playing through the park. Being able to perform there was the most amazing thing to be a teenager loving just the park and loving to um no <laughs> what are you doing <gasps> oh <my God. laughs> get in here are you doing something for dollywood or something for dolly or something for carly hi girl how are you we set this up so i could kind of walk in on you because i wanted to surprise you first of all i just wanted to tell you how proud i am of you do you know that she started singing at dollywood when she was 16 years old you do remember don't you and i know that they told me that you had been on the Grand Ole Opry 80 times, you've performed? Yes. How do you do that, like 80 times? Oh my goodness, I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. Well, but you should be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. What's wrong with them? I agree. Well, I came here today to tell you, you are now an official (laughs) member of the Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) Well, you can't do it sitting down. It's official.
0: Isn't that cool? Dolly Parton. And I'm sitting here. I'm serious. I am I got tears in my eyes right now watching that video. If you get a chance, it's out there from the Grand Ole Opry. And Oh, man, two great Southerners, Tennessee's Dolly Parton, Kentucky's Carly Pierce. Great music. And congratulations with that August induction into the Mother Church of Country Music, the Grand Ole Opry. We're going to take a break here and listen to the latest song out by the Kentuckian and the brand new member of the Grand Ole Opry, Carly Pearce. I love this song. It's called Next Girl.
5: Hey, next girl, you don't know me. I'm just the one he says went crazy on him. That's just what he does. But once upon a time, I was the next girl. I've been where you're at. You overlook a lot when he looks like that. I'll charm your mama with that smile. Hide the red flags for a little while I bet you probably met him at a bar
0: the south love contemporary christian music and here on the y'all show we have a real treat for y'all and for all y'all meaning everybody else not quite into contemporary christian music we got a treat for you as well as we the kingdom is taking time out of their very busy and it's so exciting to say this tour schedule to come on here on the show that covers everything southern and discuss their great debut and how this is a group of five, of which four of the five are all family members. And then there's Andrew. We'll talk about him in a second. But let's go in on the road and catch up with We the Kingdom here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. How are y'all doing?
6: Great. Awesome. So good, how man. How you doing?
0: I am doing great. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. I'm just sitting here just crossing my fingers here trying to figure out where you are and i I give up where are y'all located as you're on tour now
3: florida whenever i forget i just look at my shirt
0: i can't quite quite see that what does that say
3: well it's got the it's our tour shirt
0: Oh, okay. So
3: it's about the dates at the bottom, so I literally... You got, just okay. Where is it every
0: day? So that's you know, back, back in the day, they used no. to have the...
3: They were ba- in Fort Myers,
0: Florida. Oh, you're in Fort Myers. Okay. Well, back in the day, you may not realize this, uh, Franny, but back in the day, they used to put the tour dates on the back of the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah,
4: that was too hard.
0: <laughs> so that'd be too hard. You had to turn around. But welcome into the Y'all Show. We have brothers Ed and Scott Cash Ed's two children, Franny and Martin. Go ahead and raise your hands, Franny and Martin. And then we have Andrew Burktoll, which is right there. <laughs> and they make up We the Kingdom, a contemporary Christian group that has been nominated twice for Grammys. they won a Dove Award for the New Artist of the Year, 2020's New Artist of the Year. And they're just off on an incredible run. Their debut album is out called Holy Water, and they are on the Y'all Show. Thank you for coming on today's show.
5: Thank you. Amen. Thanks for having nice us. wonder why it's not called Raw.com.
0: It could be. It could be. But we like y'all a little bit better. And, again, this is your debut. And this is an unusual act because, as we just said, four of the five are within the same family. The Cash family. I guess that other Cash family is going to be forgotten about pretty soon, thanks to y'all. So the question I have for both—I guess the 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 the, the more statesman of the two, Ed and Scott—where are you from? What is your hometown? Because I know you kind of call Nashville home now. We grew
1: up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ah, back in the day. So still in the South.
0: That's right. I'm a. I'm a Deep native of that.
1: Our parents, man. My mom's Ed's Ed's name could not be shorter, but my mom made it 17 syllables at
5: once.
0: <laughs> I see. Well, let me let me quiz you. I I believe you, but I just need confirmation that you're from the Charlotte area. So, as a guy myself who grew up on that other side of the border, there on the other side of Carowinds, I want y'all to name the mall in Charlotte that kids used to go ice skating.
6: Eastland, Eastland Mall, Mall baby. On, man. In fact, <laughs> see that scar on my pinky right there? I do. My wife ice skated over my Ooh. pinky on our first date. I was skating at Eastland Mall.
0: How about and, that? Uh,
6: I was trying to be cool just to hold her hand, and I turned around backwards and uh, oh, they're, tripped, tripped they're over my, first my own skate, and she skated straight across.
0: Mm. And y'all are still together still together <laughs> and you got evidence that you're still together right there with you well that is awesome to, to know and uh, yeah great memories if you grew up in the carolinas of that the only skating rink as far as i know ice skating rink in the entire two states uh, back in back Hold in on. the day
1: what's the best ride at carowinds
0: uh the, the cannonball whatever that was called oh
1: man thunder road bro yeah.
0: White Lightning was that one of them? White Lightning, come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm I'm a little rusty on my theme park knowledge, but that that ice skating ring, especially in the South, in the uh, in the old days, yeah, that was foreign territory there. But Greg, glad to have you two there. Growing up in the uh, in the Charlotte area, and your kids, Ed, your two kids, Frannie and Martin, did they also grow up in Charlotte, or did you pick up and move to Nashville at some point?
6: Kind of midway, they were born in Charlotte. And then uh, I guess Martin was about two and Franny was four when we moved to Nashville.
0: Oh, so they pretty much grew up in middle Tennessee, it sounds like. Yeah. Awesome. Well, not a bad You're place to grow up easy. there either. What's that? And, uh, uh, the Nashville area, a place I've lived a, a long time, also a, f- a fantastic place here in the south to, to call home. What portion of the city did y'all live in?
6: Oh. We're in Franklin still. And-
0: Oh, rough place there, Williamson County. I tell you, <laughs> no, that's it.
6: Let me tell you, I live up
3: in the city. Do you now? I do now. Yeah, you
0: escaped the country of Williamson County to go to the big city. I afford it. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty expensive. So, at what point, uh, Ed and Scott? I guess y'all both found your way to Nashville, partly drawn there by music. I assume. At what point did you decide that we might need to? do more than just the two of us and bring in family members like Franny, Martin, and then ultimately bring in Andrew to we, the kingdom. Do you want to answer? No, I want them to answer. Yeah. Yeah. They got to get their pay here they got to earn their pay. Speak up. Hey,
1: Andrew, Andrew, since he's the uh, non-blood member, he's going to have the best answer. Anyway, he's going to have the most uh, legit, truthful answer to how we all came together. Is that, that's a question, yeah. right? Um,
4: well, man, it's been crazy. Like everybody here, actually tried to start uh, an artist thing at some point or another. Um, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and I tried to start We the Kingdom, uh, a band under the name We the Kingdom, probably eight or nine years ago. And uh, it just I couldn't I couldn't get people to stay in the band. Kansas City isn't as much of a music town, so I moved and I actually interned with Scott and Ed probably eight years ago. Um, and then we were he had I, dreadlocks. <laughs> I was he wanted dreadlocks, really? but he looked like it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of did, and I was I was working on dreadlocks at the time, um, but yeah. So we we all started playing uh, young life camps. Um, Scott and Ed were both um, really involved in young life camps for years, and so and actually I did some young life in Kansas City. Also, so all of us were pretty involved in young life over the years. Um, but then at one of the camps, um, we wrote a song for the first time together as a group, and that was really instrumental in starting the band. Uh, if it was for that, I you know, probably wouldn't be doing this, but the Lord really gave us a, a beautiful song called Dancing on the Waves. And we thought at the time is for the kids. Um, we wrote it and we sang it for them. But as we sang more, it's really felt like it's actually like opened our hearts a lot to healing, a lot of healing and some beautiful things that the Lord has done in our lives. And it started the band. So uh, that is, yeah, kind of a, a short answer to the, to the story, but there's a lot more to it.
0: Well, the Lord obviously has had a big role in the formation of this act. Again, it was just two years ago that We the Kingdom debuted, and they've had great success. The title track, Holy Water, number one, and another number one from this album, and it's called God So Loved, and more coming from this act. So I know... The overnight success thing isn't exactly applicable here for Ed and Scott, but frankly, not too many acts rolling right out of the gate here have the kind of success that We The Kingdom has had, and I congratulate you on that.
6: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, really what have you done? How have you adjusted to all this success? And, you know, Dove Award winners now, you've been nominated for Grammys, a Billboard. Number one for the top new Christian artist of 2020. Have you had time to celebrate?
6: A little bit. Back
5: home in Nashville, we uh, our manager took us out to dinner. Uh, it was real nice area, kind of like steakhouse. Uh, and our label was there, and we got to just celebrate with everybody. Uh, nominations, but more just the teamwork behind it, you know, doing this Um, together man I don't know how these solo artists do it man I mean it's such a blessing to have uh, comrades and and teammates that you can look to and um, you know with the whole like having to be on all the time you know just being out on tour realizing like you know being on stage, being off stage it's just as important as being off you know so to have uh, arms that you can link with is pretty amazing
0: Well, you you talk about solo artists there, Martin. How about you? Let's brag on you for a minute. You got your dad, your uncle, and your sister with you at all times, it sounds like. And then you got your buddy, Andrew, too. So how does that compare to being a solo artist?
5: Gosh, man. I mean, I was uh, for a little while in in a band in high school, and there were just three of us. But it's a different kind of weight when you have less people. Uh, that you have to carry and I I don't think that you know the stage was ever intended for just one person and even you know these artists that we've met in our career and industry that are doing it they they do such a a good job of spreading you know the spotlight and um, yeah just people that we've gotten to either feature with or work with have really encouraged us you know just to give first of all the glory back to God But, you know, when the spotlight on stage is on your face, you know, to remember that there are other people to share that with. So it's been uh, such a gift because it's easy to fall into that that trap of pride, you know, and Mm -hmm. I did this all myself or whatever. This is my kingdom that I built up. But, yeah.
0: You're looking at a copy of the debut from 2019, Holy Water. And let me brag on this. More than two hundred and sixty five million plus global streams of holy water and it's out there you can find it on your favorite way to get music whether it's itunes or any of the other google devices where you can get music but this incredible success for a new act and you did it all by the way oh, oh by the way you did it right in the middle of a pandemic much of this success has come so even more of an attaboy and for you franny and an atta girl to you
3: thank you (laughs)
6: thank
0: you brother so how did y'all get through this last year i know nobody had ever experienced anything like this but here you are you finally get an album out after all these years of work and things and things are starting to go and then boom everything gets shut down how do you keep your composure
3: it was definitely weird because we had never really toured before. And then on our five days into our first tour with Zach Williams and Kane, um, it got shut down. So we were in Texas. Were we in Amarillo, Texas? No, we were what, – what part of Texas? We
5: had just left
4: Amarillo. We just Uless, Texas. Yeah,
3: we were right outside of Dallas. And it, it got shut down. We would set up the whole stage. And then we had to tear down everything. And we flew home. So that was so weird. For It took us a couple of days to – you know, our a couple of weeks to adjust and realize w- what was going on. I didn't think it was going to go on nearly as long as it has. i um, talking about the pandemic, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise for us because we were able to spend a lot of time working on our first record. Um, so we put the song Holy Water out in 2019 and then we put the record out in August of 2020. And so we, the first several months of quarantine were spent, writing and producing that and so i just am grateful because i think if we had to do that on the road it would have been it would have been really challenging and i don't think it would have been as good as it turned out to be so that was a blessing and then i, I actually already uh, also got married in the pandemic <laughs> so oh. that was a fun way to spend <laughs> spend the quarantine night like, getting married and it's that so it's been fun
0: <laughs> well congratulations Bye,
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been sweet. I think it's been hard, and now we're just so ready to get to um, see people again. It's been really did
0: cool. Did the other four members of We the Kingdom perform at your wedding?
3: They did. They played the song that I really feel like God uh, gave to us, the one Andrew was talking about. They played that as I walked down the aisle. It was we really
5: did. Sweet. I forgot about that. It
3: was so sweet.
5: It's called yeah. Here Comes a Bride. We all wrote it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. Hey, I don't know if they played this, but they should have because it is your latest single out to Contemporary Christian Radio, Child of Love, and you've got a partner on this record.
6: Another another y'all talker, Bear Reinhardt. He's amazing. Where is he from? Uh, Just outside of Charleston.
0: Hmm. Now, we South Carolinians usually know each other.
6: Do you know Bear?
0: No, I don't, <laughs> but I like the name. So you've teamed up. You,
3: what, what part are you in?
0: I grew up, uh, sadly, I'm not from the Charleston area. I'm from the Columbia area. It's more romantic to be from the Lowcountry, but he. No, had, I'm getting. Yeah. What's We're that? Waiting.
3: Do you know any of the Stevens, um, Jennifer and David Stevens? I don't know
0: if you know them, but. No, Franny, I was kind of being a little bit of a jokester. South Carolina actually has a couple... <laughs> it actually has several million people, and I, sad... time I
3: meet somebody from Columbia, they know
0: them, so I, Yeah, usually, you know, that people probably recognize my last name, but I'm kind of... Uh, and I'll throw it up there for all you uh, people in South Carolina in case you forgot who the heck I am. It doesn't matter who I am. You just need to know who Franny is and the rest of We the Kingdom. But no, it's actually... It's not really that small of a place, but... Uh, it's, uh, I, I grew up, like I said, right there, not far from Charlotte. And uh, all I can say to y'all is, uh, at least to, to the guys who grew up in Charlotte, Ed and Scott, keep pounding, baby. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, what was that? No, 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 no. I'm not going not gonna to have that there, Franny. So, okay, so you teamed up with Bear, so it's... Oh, yeah. I pound. Okay. Okay, so Bear, Reinhardt and We the Kingdom together for this new single and what's your relation with bear other than the carolinas what what uh have y'all worked together before
6: yeah we worked on a record for the for need to breathe we produced it and uh, or a couple records and so we've known them for a bit from some behind the scenes work like that and so yeah they're uh, good friends and when we're we're talking about child of love you know, our album version was just our band, but we, when we talked about releasing it to radio, we thought it'd be really cool to get a good feature. And we just always have loved Bear's voice; it just felt like a really good fit. So,
0: yes. And I'm looking at the songwriting credits. I believe all five members of the band credited with writing "Child of Love." So, tell me about the inspiration behind this.
5: It was actually it started with like a musical piece that we kind of uh, slowly came up with in a rehearsal. Uh, forget, maybe for a tour or one-off or something, I can't remember, but uh, Dad started playing this, like, that guitar hook. And at first, you know, there's that song, See uh, 3 who's the, uh, Clearwater? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, it you know, it kind of had this, like, seventy old 70s sound, you know, and everyone started kind of uh, inserting their part into this piece. Franny, you know, started singing out this uh, melody that ended up becoming part of the song. And it probably stuck with us for six to seven months, if not longer than that. And, you know, seven months later from when we wrote it, you know, we started working on the the record. And uh, it's kind of like one of those things, man, remember that piece in rehearsals that, you know, we were all inspired by. And so we picked it back up and lyrics started slowly coming and just the idea of being a child of love.
3: I feel like once we sat down to like actually put it all together it came pretty quickly yeah mm-hmm. like when we, we sat down in the studio and we're like we gotta put lyrics to these this melody and this music and i feel like the lyrics came like within the day i mean it was pretty mm-hmm. pretty fast
0: yeah yeah Rated. Again, your latest single out. Check it out. It's on various contemporary Christian radio stations across the country. And here in the South, you can find it as well. We're wrapping up our conversation with We the Kingdom. The website for the band is wethekingdom.com. And if you go there right now, you're going to see a listing of the various tour dates. As we said, we're so thankful. Praise the Lord that people like We the Kingdom can get out and make beautiful music on the road. And they're in Fort Myers today. And y'all have a couple of days in the Sunshine State, so enjoy your time. You'll be in Largo, Florida. You'll be in Boca Raton over on the Atlantic Coast, Jacksonville, and Duval County on June 20th before you go in other portions of the country. And Franny, you're going to be in the home of the Franklin Rebels coming up pretty soon as you'll be in Franklin, Tennessee July 27th. So a couple more weeks, you'll be in Middle Tennessee.
3: That's right.
0: Going back home, man. Going back home. All right. Well, again, congratulations on all the great success as they. Oh, and speaking of back home, I better not forget that you'll be in North Carolina, Wilkesboro, at Wilkes Community College. You'll be there August 28th. So shout out to North Carolina and to Tennessee as well, where these uh, great castmates and Kansas City don't want to leave out KCMO. Woo! Thanks to Andrew, which we, we I, I hate to tell the rest of the members here, but we consider Kansas City and Missouri a southern state. Congratulations, Andrew! Hey! <laughs> I knew
1: but, those George's had a purpose.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. But thank y'all very much. It's been a great time talking to, again, We the Kingdom, the website, we wethekingdom.com. Best of luck to all y'all.
6: Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Right.
0: Thank y'all very much. And we will have more of the show that's all about the South right after this.
5: southern accent here's the business south update from y'all.com i'm kobe
0: bent summertime is the perfect time to go out and get some peaches these juicy morsels are in season and have been hitting the shelves of farmers markets across the south obviously the most famous peaches come
4: from georgia literally the peach state but did you know that georgia isn't even the largest producer of peaches in the south south carolina holds that honor having the second biggest peach crop in the
1: country behind california georgia is actually number four on the list Though it cannot be denied that Georgia peaches are among the most delicious available, and a Georgia Peach Truck is making rounds around the south, so if you're in the market for some farm fresh peaches, go to their website at thepeachtruck.com to pre-order a crate, or go to one of their 60 plus booths across Nashville.
0: Business news, headlines, and more at YOLA.com. Ooh, some peach ice cream would hit the spot right now, you think? Some good old homemade peach ice cream. I'm talking rock salt. I'm talking with that churn-a-going. Nothing like summertime in the South if you got a little homemade peach ice cream. Huh? I just don't want to have to be the one up there cutting up the peaches. That's the worst job in the world. But eating ice cream now, that's a great job to have. That wraps up Hour 2. We've got a whole nother hour. When we get back, we'll be recapping Vanderbilt's very exciting win against Stanford in the College World Series. That plus the exciting win the Atlanta Hawks had in the NBA Conference Finals. That plus the kindest states in the land in Hour 3. We'll be right back, y'all. Back in for Hour 3, the final stanza of our three-part Y'all Thursday edition. We've got a look at Southern sports to get us going. Max Scherzer in the news, and he's in the news for some fun stuff and Major League Baseball with a few changes with the way they treat pitchers here the last couple of days. We'll discuss that here as we get our third hour up and going. Also, changes in NASCAR. Jeff Gordon is going to be the heir apparent at hendrick motorsports and he's stepping away from the fox sports booth that coming up here in just a few also this hour we've got the kindest states we here in the south pride ourselves on southern hospitality are we kind though are we the kind of place that you'd want to go hang out and do we have competition coming from other regions in the land the kind of states, a breakdown, is coming up in the next segment of the Y'all Show, plus more headlines from across the Southeast that we'll be getting to on today's Y'all Show. In fact, we have a very interesting story coming from a Tennessean in the news, a Tennessean that's taken out her hatred against her husband's ex wife. <laughs> and this person ought to know better. We'll have that as part of our headlines across the Southeast. Here on today's Y'all Show. Speaking of Tennessee, how about a possible firework shortage going on in the volunteer state and the rest of the southern states? And also, we will let you know where states like the volunteer state, the magnolia state, the natural state, the peach state, and the lone star state, and others all stack up in having the most valuable crops. What are the most valuable crops in our southern states. We'll discuss that here in our news headlines of this third hour. That plus a look at some amazing festivals hitting the Southland here this weekend. It's all part of our final hour of accentuating the South. We're not just Southern, we accentuate the South. And we try to do that. We need your input, we need your help. And the way to do that is 803. 803- 816 1170. That's the number to text or call 24 7. We got somebody ready to take your call, ready to take your text. So don't feel scared. If you're working third shift, and it's 2 a.m. and you just heard the podcast of the Y'all Show and you just got to have something be relayed to us, we are here to take that. 803 816 1170. So easy. So, so easy. It's crazy. It's crazy how crazy (laughs) easy it is. And we want to hear from you here at Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's get into the sports headlines. As mentioned, Jeff Gordon is going to now become the second highest official at Hendrick Motorsports. He's leaving the Fox Sports booth beside. Did you like Jeff Gordon in the broadcast booth for Fox Sports? I have not seen a NASCAR race on Fox, so I don't have an opinion. That's why. Here, as I said, we've got an 800, 803 number to be specific for people like you to weigh in saying, oh, I can't believe the Rainbow Warrior is going to leave the broadcast booth. Some of you might be saying, I hate Jeff Gordon. I'm glad he's gone. Let him go to Rick Hendrick, and, and I hope a Rick Hendrick driver never wins again. That's some of the fun that NASCAR has, the history of the rivalry of NASCAR. But indeed, Gordon, a former Hendrick driver, is now the heir apparent for the 71-year-old Rick Hendrick and the four-time champion and Hall of Fame driver, now poised to take over Hendrick Motorsports whenever Rick Hendrick steps aside one day, as Jeff Gordon will become the vice chairman and the second-ranking team official for majority owner Rick Hendrick of Hendrick Motorsports. Jeff Gordon is now 49 years old. He begins his executive management role at Hendrick Motorsports with the start of the 2022 NASCAR season. Rick Hendrick in a statement saying, Jeff and I have talked about this for many years, and I feel it's a natural evolution for him and our company. Jeff Gordon understands our culture, our values, and the importance we place on our people and our partnerships. Now, the Rainbow Warrior, when he was driving for DuPont, joined Hendrick Motorsports for the final cup race of the 92 season, and then began an amazing NASCAR run. Jeff Gordon won a total of 93 times on the NASCAR circuit. That is good for third on the all-time list. He won four NASCAR cup titles before his 2015 retirement. And now he's segueing into more of an executive role with Hendrick Motorsports and this differs from what we've seen drivers in recent years do. Some of these drivers you've not really heard much of. Some have roles that I guess I, I, I'm not a big enough of a NASCAR person. I still don't really know what the King does, <laughs> Richard Petty. I guess he's got his own sort of Richard Petty motorsports team. I just don't hear much about them. Certainly hear more about Kyle or Rick Hendrick, and then you have – Oh, what's that other one? There's another one. Like I said, I I don't fancy myself as a NASCAR expert. But Jeff Gordon knows a little thing or two about NASCAR, and he's going to be, again, the second highest official with Hendrick Motorsports whenever he takes on his new responsibilities with that organization starting in 2022. Big, big night in Omaha on Wednesday. If you missed out on that one, you missed out on a good one. It was another extremely close College baseball game. We had one Tuesday with Mississippi State just eking out a victory over Virginia on Tuesday and on Wednesday another one, another goodern as Vanderbilt survives against Stanford. Vanderbilt, the Commodore's down to their last strike. You just knew that Tim Corbin's ball club could not get it done, and they found a way to get it done. This is the team known more in 2021 for their pitching as opposed to their hitting, but the VU bats came alive and the Vandy boys get the victory, a victory that happened when a Stanford relief pitcher came in and threw a wild pitch and the Commodore base runner on third was able to easily get on in to the home plate, touch it, and has set off Vanderbilt into a game on Friday where they'll be taking on the NC State Wolfpack. Vanderbilt will have to win both Friday and Saturday against NC State to be able to advance to the college baseball national championship finals, which start Monday. But right now, Vandy of the SEC is still kicking with that dramatic win Wednesday. (laughs) They get the win in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Stanford Cardinals. Stanford thought they were about to go on and take on NC State, but nope, not so fast, Lee Corso, not so fast. And the Commodores getting the walk off. A walk is it a walk off if there's a wild pitch involved? I guess so. Because that's what happened. It was a wild pitch by the Cardinal pitcher sailing over the catcher's mitt and into the backstop and Vanderbilt escapes with the big win on Wednesday. A one run victory at TD Ameritrade Park, and they get to play Friday, as I said, against NC State. NC State, they won on win, on Monday, rather, and so the pack have not even had to play for all of these days, and here they are awaiting the Vanderbilt Commodores and what ought to be a really good SEC-ACC battle when these two get together at the Friday start in Omaha. Also, Friday, Mississippi State will be taking on the winner of today's Texas versus, let's see here, Texas versus Virginia is the matchup today. I don't have the schedule in front of me right now, but that's the excitement going on at the College Baseball World Series. To NBA, that was pretty exciting also Wednesday as you had the Atlanta Hawks with a good, good win on the road at five serve for them in Milwaukee. The Hawks with the win over Milwaukee. Milwaukee with a chance to tie at the buzzer. But are not able to get that tying shot in. Atlanta takes a 1-0 series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, 116-113. Game two of this set for Friday. In the NBA here today, the Suns and Clippers continue their series. Right now, Phoenix has a 2-0 lead in this Western Conference Finals, and Game three set for Staples Center. It's going to be televised on ESPN, starting at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 Pacific. When the Clips and the Valley get together for an NBA Western Conference Game 3 matchup in California. Speaking of California, Petco Park, that is the home of the San Diego Padres. And baseball's daddies get to now be the host of the Holiday Bowl. As this bowl that's been played at the old San Diego Chargers Stadium for decades is going to move just down the street, if you will, to Petco Park. And it starts with this year's college football bowl game. This year, it's going to be a Pac-12 versus ACC matchup in the Holiday Bowl from Petco Park, San Diego, CA as Petco Park. Again, we'll have a chance to switch over and not have a baseball set up here. They'll have a college football gridiron set up whenever the ACC heads west for this football bowl game between an ACC opponent and the Pac-12, the Holiday Bowl, somewhere around Christmas Day. We've actually seen teams go to the Holiday Bowl and win a national championship. That's what BYU did back in 1984, so it has a bowl game of some importance. This bowl game played from '78 until 2019 at Qualcomm Stadium and its previous namesakes, San Diego and Jack Murphy Stadium, and now... It will be at Petco Park in San Diego. And speaking of baseball stadiums and baseball, how about the new rule that was put into effect by Major League Baseball here this week to check for sticky substances on Major League Baseball pitchers as the commissioner is trying to crack down on what some people think is a little bit going overboard on baseball pitchers trying to cheat the system, if you will. And one guy this week they really picked on a little too much, in my opinion, is Nationals pitcher Max Scherzer. And Max Scherzer, in a game against the Phillies on Sunday, I think it was, he ended up having to be checked three times. He pulled his sweaty hat off. The umpires, I mean, talk about a terrible job. You're an umpire that has to go touch players' hats, sweaty hats, sweaty hands, I guess these umpires get lots of money, so they're not above that. And these players are checked for health issues, so I doubt there's all that much total fear. But, yeah, baseball trying to crack down on pitchers cheating by using substances on their fingers and putting them in other areas of their uniform or body to avoid having pitchers have that upper hand being able to maybe have a certain spin on the ball or whatever. And Max Scherzer in a game this week really got picked on and it really ticked him off. So much so that the opposing team's manager got thrown out, the Phillies manager, got thrown out in an argument with the Nationals assistant coach. Pretty wild scene there. And then on Wednesday, the Nationals were playing against the Phillies and nobody, to my knowledge, got thrown out, but Scherzer was joking to umpires to go check not a pitcher's Hair because they'd made Scherzer take his cap off and check his hair in a game this week. But Scherzer said that the umpires needed to go t- check Nationals trader Bryce Harper. Of course, Harper was with it, with Washington for many years, was the face of that franchise, and then took off for the bright lights of Philadelphia. And Scherzer's saying, hey, y'all need to go check Bryce Harper's hair for sticky substances. I don't know if they did or not, but they all got a, a pretty good laugh. I don't see this thing lasting all that long because it really gets to be rather ridiculous, at least the way they patrol whether these players are cheating or not. It's kind of disgusting, to be honest with you, for them to go up and start feeling gloves and hats and and their baseballs in front of a big giant crowd and an even bigger big crowd on T V tuning in. But Max did you realize that Max Scherzer of the Nationals is a Southern boy born in Chesterfield, Missouri, raised there in Chesterfield. And where is Chesterfield? It's in St. Louis County. In fact, Max grew up a Cardinals fan, and he ended up attending the University of Missouri in Columbia and went there playing for Tony Vitello. That was one of his coaches, Tony Vitello of the Tennessee Vols now. And then Scherzer was drafted in the first round in the 2006 MLB draft He is an inductee, Scherzer, into the University of Missouri Intercollegiate Athletics Hall of Fame. M-I-Z-Z-O-U, Max Scherzer. And again, went on from Mizzou to a great career in baseball and currently starring for the Washington Nationals in Major League Baseball. He's He's a very, very good pitcher. And if you ever have a chance to see him on the mound in person, take advantage of it. That's a quick look at what's going on sports-wise across the southeast as we have this second, rather third hour up and going. When we come back, we're going to tell you about what southern states are the kindest. Is your state on the list? We'll let you know. Also, before the hour is up, we'll let you know about a battle royale going on in the volunteer state, and it involves a Tennessee nurse mailing blood and feces to her husband's ex-wife. Woo! This ought to be a good one. We got all that coming up on the Y'all Show. Kentucky is number one. They're number one. It's something that actually matters. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and this is the Y'all Show, and there is a new report out, and it is How Kind is America? As a commission was, com- uh, it was conducted to discover the kindest of states in the country, and People are weighing in at our kindest states. I've got a breakdown of the top ten, and there's a bunch of southern states on here. Now, the takeaways from this research of America's kindest states is the top three kindest acts ranked by Americans overall were to become an organ donor for a family member, to pull a stranger from a burning car, to adopt and raise a family member. Those are three pretty good kind acts. The top three kind acts that you can plan ahead for are to cover the shift for a work colleague, to cheer up a family member, or to call a friend, or to encourage them. The average American, by the way, would give up six dollars and forty cents if that meant a stranger got ten dollars, that according to this research. Eighty-six percent of the people as part of this survey would donate a part of their liver to a family member. That's helpful to know. Seventy-two percent would lend money to a friend in a financial crisis. Also good to know here as we learn about our kind states. And 80, or rather 53% would donate their vacation time to a colleague. Hmm, I guess I'm not too kind. So we got a breakdown of the kindest states in America. And I said Kentucky was number one. Now what are the least kind states, again, according to this research? We'll start from 50 and work our way back, 50 being The least kindest states in the land. And number 50 is a borderline southern state. Maryland is 50th. Florida, 47th on this listing of kind states. Texas is number 42. Not good, not good. Virginia is number 34. The Magnolia State, Mississippi checks in at 33 of the kindest states in the country. South Carolina is at twenty eight. Arkansas is twenty-six. North Carolina is number twenty-five on the kindest states of the country list. Louisiana's at twenty-three. Moving on into the top fifteen, Tennessee is the fifteenth kindest state in the country in this call for kindness. Alabama is number fourteen, and then the top ten. West Virginia is the ninth most kindest state in the country. The show-me state of Missouri is at eight. Georgia is number four, followed by Oklahoma at three. Number two is New Mexico, and the number one kindest state in the country. Again, this is all coming to us from a academic study, the nonprofit kindness Not or- Kindness.org, on a mission to inspire kindness and claims it conducted a first-of-a-kind academic study to evaluate just how kind america is at the moment and kentucky the bluegrass state is a very kind state according to this survey take it for what it's worth y'all just be kind everybody be kind to others when we come back y'all kindly stay through the break because we're going to have a look at more headlines we've got a tennessee woman that was not very kind at least to her husband's ex-wife here and this woman's a nurse I'll have that story and much more as the Y'all Show continues. Wrapping things up here on this third hour of our Y'all show, news out of Washington today, US House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi announcing a select committee is going to investigate the January Sixth Committee attack on the US Capitol, announcing this formation of a select committee on this January sixth pro trump pro-Trump mob attack. And this comes a month after Senate Republicans blocked an effort to form an independent bipartisan commission in the U.S. Senate. You knew they were going to find some way to get this thing going. And, yeah, that's going to happen. And about uh, some reports say 800 people got into the Capitol building back on January 6th. And we just saw, I think, in Indiana on Wednesday the first person sentenced for entering the Capitol. And this woman was actually a registered Democrat. Did y'all see or hear about that? She was a Trump supporter, but had been a registered Democrat. And, uh, boy, the other side, if you're a Republican, the other side has made this to be the biggest thing in the history of the country. It looks like this whole attack on the Capitol, of which people who did that need to be penalized. But some of these people aren't really being given the, in my opinion, the privilege of america's judicial system they've been locked up for months absolute months not to be heard from and when are they going to be here from i mean that if if you're a believer in justice being blind every person that was arrested or was put in jail should have unless they committed a, a murder the ability to bond out get back to their lives and then face the music And in many cases, these people have been locked up. This is like the biggest uh, arrest, and and, and, and it it makes this country look honestly a lot like countries we accuse of being bad countries. China, Russia, others, North Korea. It it almost kind of resembles that when you have people locked up in jail for what some people say is insurrection. But to my knowledge, not one person's actually been charged with insurrection. Not one person stormed the Capitol with a gun in their possession. And even though reports at the time said a Capitol police officer was murdered by these people, that ended up not being true. The whole thing is just an embarrassment, and people should, again, not walk away scot-free. But this is getting to be rather embarrassing how much this is going on and you know, they had their chance to come after Trump. They tried. They tried to impeach him a second time. That didn't work. And they're going to try to go after Trump any way they can. The other side of that is until they can, I guess, have him uh, pledge his life away that he'll never run for office again. Until that happens, you're going to see a lot of this stuff continue to be brought up by the Democratic side of things. All right, let's talk about Some more important news. Let's talk about valuable crops being grown in the South. We have a breakdown, all you farmers out there, of the most valuable crops being grown on America's farms. And 98% of these farms operated by families, individuals, and family partnerships, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. About 87% of all agricultural products in America are produced on family ranches or farms A single farm feeds an average of 166 people per year, both in this country and abroad. So, hello, thank you for all of our great farmers around the region, for all you farmers tuning us in on great radio stations or via our podcast. A lot of you like to listen to this show when you're working on your farms. So, thank you, thank you, thank you farmers of the Southland for what you do. Now, what are the top crops the most valuable crops grown in the southland wheat is number six on the list of crops in this part of the world and in this part of the world wheat at least wheat is nationwide number six in this part of the world it's not that big of a deal wheat the production around 74 million dollars worth of wheat nationwide in 2020 in states like north dakota and kansas led the way. No southern state was in the top five. Tobacco now, that's a big deal here in the South. And we had around seventy seven million dollars of tobacco production in twenty twenty. No surprise, North Carolina led the southeast and the country in tobacco production with nearly three hundred and sixty three million dollars of tobacco growth. And then Kentucky followed Kentucky, Kentucky followed North Carolina, followed by Tennessee, Virginia and Georgia. Did you realize Kentucky has nearly two hundred and forty million dollars worth of tobacco grown in the bluegrass? Maybe they can smoke that bluegrass in Kentucky if it's tobacco and it and North Carolina are by far leaders of tobacco production in the entire country. Cotton is a really big deal in this part of the world, and every single one of the top five producers of cotton in this country come from the South, led by Texas Texas has a 1.4 billion dollar cotton industry alone. Georgia is number two with 713 million dollars. Arkansas is third in cotton production with 413 million. Mississippi at 356 million dollars of cotton production a year, and then Alabama, 220 million dollars in cotton production each year. Cotton, the number four agricultural product, being the most valuable in the country. Hay is a big deal in the country. Texas is the leader in hay production at $1.5 billion. And then a random collection of other states outside of the South follow Texas, two of which are actually over the billion-dollar mark, Wisconsin and California, both big growers of hay. Corn, it's a big deal nationwide and in select portions of the South. No southern state leads the country in corn production as a top-five state in that field of corn. Iowa is the number one state in the country for corn production, followed by Illinois. And then soybeans. Soybeans, led by Illinois, are the number one crop grown, the most valuable crop in the country, according to the Farm Bureau. And Illinois, also a leader there. Illinois is a pretty rural state. And Illinois is number one in soybean production with $7 billion in soybean production in just the year 2020. That's followed by Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana, and the border state of the south, Missouri, checks in with a $3.3 billion per year soybean production, and that makes it a pretty valuable state for agricultural production. This data, again, coming out from the American Farm Bureau Federation here this week. Now, from food and farming to fireworks we go. There's likely going to be a fireworks shortage of sorts coming For the 4th of July in just a few days. As nationwide, a lot of things have not been able to be imported from our friends in China. And you're likely to see a shortage of some of the most favorite fireworks you've been shooting off every year at your local fireworks store. And a lot of cities also may be cutting back on their fireworks display here for the 4th of July. So just keep that in mind and if you are looking for something you might want to go here this week even though we're several days away from the holiday you might want if you see one of those fireworks stands popping up near you you might want to go on in there and buy up what they got because there's going to be certain items if not a lot of items that will not be available for all you fireworks lovers for the fourth of july 2021 and lastly in tennessee della marie gibson latham is in the news she worked at a nurse at Park West Medical Center, and now this woman, 37-year-old woman, faces charges filed by the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, facing charges that she mailed, biohazardous materials, which is a violation of the postal code, and she is in a lot of hot water in Loudoun County, Tennessee. And the reason she's in a lot of hot water for having biohazardous materials in the mail as she's facing federal charges after she allegedly mailed human blood-stained feminine products and feces and mailed it to her husband's ex-wife. An arrest report indicates that Della Marie Gibson Latham voluntarily spoke with investigators at Park West Medical Center where she works as a registered nurse and she admitted to mailing the packages and a letter. The blood came from a patient at the hospital. That's a big, big no, no, no. She claimed that she wanted the kids to know that she worked hard while the ex-wife was lazy and didn't work for what she had. She's been released on bond and is awaiting trial there in the Lenore City portion of Tennessee. Hmm. Now, Gibson has also admitted to mailing a second letter to the ex-wife's daughter, which is a minor, and that letter contained statements that called the girl white trash and criticized the ex-wife as broke and lazy. Oh, aren't we all just getting along good there in Lenore City, Tennessee these days? <laughs> Woo, a nurse at that, mailing blood and feces to the husband's ex-wife. What a way to wrap up the news headlines on this Thursday. (laughs) We'll come right back. We're going to wrap up the Y'all Show. We got a quick look at some of the great festivals taking place here over the next few days if you want to get out. And hey, Della Marie Gibson Latham, if you're out on bond right now, you might want to go to these festivals of the South and learn how to get along with people and be a little kind, like we were talking about earlier this hour. The Y'all Show wraps up this Thursday edition after this.
5: 17, you don't think that much about life You're just living Like kerosene Dancing around the fire But you So you jump right in Ain't afraid to fall And you give
3: it all She got the best of me She broke my heart Now all that's
2: left to me
0: And thank you, little fella. Luke Combs getting us ready for here. The get out of here for this Thursday, y'all show. Get out of here. Maybe head on to a wonderful Southern festival going on across the Southland this weekend. It's part of our festive South feature here as we wrap up Thursday. A look at some of those great events that you might even see people like Luke Combs performing in. This weekend, why don't we go to Elgin, Texas this weekend. There you'll find the annual Western Day Festival taking place at Memorial Park going on throughout the next few days. It's Western Day, Elgin, Texas in Anderson, South Carolina. Get your sunflower on. It's the South Carolina Sunflower Festival taking place at Denver Downs. That's on Denver Road in Anderson in the upstate of SC, just down the road from Cal College, Clemson University. It's the Sunflower Festival going on this weekend. In Mississippi, it's the North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic in Waterford. Waterford is in Marshall County. It is just across the bridge from the Tallahatchie. It is between Oxford and Holly Springs. And this weekend, if you like blues, it's the North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic going on this weekend in wonderful Waterford. And if I can, I'll pull up the breakdown of who might be performing here at this year's North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic. Dwayne Burnside, Gary Burnside, Kenny Brown, Cedric Burnside. The Burnside's are all from Marshall County, by the way. That explains why they're all part of this event. Rocket 88, had a chance to meet them in the past. Good little band there from Mississippi. All part of, again, the North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic just off of Highway 7 in Marshall County, Mississippi. Elsewhere this weekend, you got Slay the Day Fest in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's going on this weekend. Also in Oklahoma this weekend, it is Beats and Bites. That's a festival taking place at the home of OU, Norman, and it's at the Riverwind Casino, Beats and Bites. Boy, that sounds fun. Plus, it's at a casino. And if you can't have fun at a casino, You're really missing out. Baton Rouge this weekend. It is the Baton Rouge Soul Food Festival at Riverfront Plaza there on South River Road just by the mighty Mississippi. It's soul food at its finest in Louisiana's state capital city of Baton Rouge going on this weekend. In Young Harris, Georgia. That is in North Georgia right across from the North Carolina line, and that is also the hometown of the former governor of georgia uh and not governor former senator and i'm drawing a blank but anyway young harris georgia also home of young harris college which is actually the alma mater of a certain atlanta braves outfielder markekis is a young harris college alum and made in georgia festival going on this weekend at the lake chatoo chamber of commerce Young Harris in that area of Georgia, Hiawassee, is just awesome. Go there if you're able to go. In the Panhandle this weekend, it's the Panhandle Watermelon Festival in Chipley, Florida. This is at the Washington County Youth Fair on Jackson Avenue. Yeah, watermelons aplenty in Chipley at the Watermelon Festival, the Panhandle Watermelon Festival for all of you, keep and score. At home. And Floralla, not all that far, right on the panhandle of Florida, but technically in the heart of Dixie. There in Floralla, Alabama, at the State Park, you got the 24th of June Arts and Crafts Fair. Hey, Is that on the 24th? No, the 24th is today. I guess they pushed it back. But the 24th of June Arts and Crafts Fair is Saturday at Floralla State Park in Alabama at the... State Park in Florida, if you want to stop by there on the way down to the beach this weekend. In Franklin, Tennessee, this weekend, it's the Blackberry Jam Music Festival. So if I pulled up the North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic, I better pull up who I was playing at the Blackberry Jam Festival in Franklin, Tennessee, this weekend and see if you might want to make your plans to Williamson County and check out some good music there. For this weekend, Black Bear Jam, Franklin, let's see if we could pull it up. Who's playing there at Boyd Mill Farm this weekend? It looks like they're going to have R&B soul, folk powerhouse, Kaishana. Also performing is Jason Ringenberg, Carol and Dale, Jerry Peters. Those are all performing again. At the Blackberry Jam Music Festival this weekend in Franklin. It is a limited capacity event on June 26th. So you might want to check out the website, theblackberryjam.com, for more information. But it looks like kind of like that North Mississippi Hill Country Picnic. Lots of blues on display at Blackberry Jam in Franklin here this weekend. Also, this weekend in St. Genevieve, that's a lovely place, a sort of a French settlement on the Mississippi River between Cape Girardeau and St. Louis, Missouri. This weekend, it's the Honey Festival and Market at St. Genevieve in Missouri, and that's taking place this weekend, 12 to 6 Saturday, at the St. Genevieve Welcome Center there near the Boot Hill of Missouri. Cambridge, Maryland this weekend, it is the Chesapeake Maritime Heritage Festival. That's going down this weekend if you want to make your way to the Chesapeake Bay and see a great, fun experience the Chesapeake Maritime Heritage Festival. Moorhead, Kentucky, home of the Eagles. This weekend, Moorhead, Kentucky, is home of the Rudy Fest Bluegrass Festival. This takes place at the Poppy Mountain Music Festival Park, 80 Poppy Road. It's where you'll find it this weekend. Some good bluegrass on display in the home of the bluegrass, Kentucky at Rudy Fest Bluegrass Festival. 2021 and that is a quick look at all kinds of fun festivals the South's going to be hosting this weekend get out there and enjoy get out and enjoy another episode of the y'all the friday edition comes your way on friday i'm john rawl signing off thank you for listening to the show that's all about the south